What is up, y'all, and welcome to the NXS Cast, a show where friends come together to discuss, digest, and dream all things gaming in excess. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Dash, and today on this very fine episode, episode three to be exact, we'll be talking Skyward Sword HD reviews, games as a service, and the approach that companies like Xbox and Stadia are taking with them, a ton of Final Fantasy news, and way more. If you're watching us on YouTube and you like what you're hearing, hit that like, hit that subscribe. Every bit of love helps, and we appreciate you. To help me get this show started, our co-host, who is partially responsible for clogging those Final Fantasy XIV servers, Jeremy Rain. What's going on, my brother? Doing good. Another week, another cast. I said yes, I was going to do it last time. I did it this time. Hey, three in a row, baby. <laughs> three in a row. We're on it. Our other co-host, he's god-awful at Godfall, <laughs> Garfield-loving goofball, Kevin, K-Fun. How are you? You're not god-awful at Godfall. It just it just went together. It was a god-awful game. So by proxy, <laughs> I was god-awful. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, my voice are. is gone <clears throat> right now. So that's uh, I, I don't know. That might actually make it more comical. I, I don't know if that's a thing. Yeah. I don't know. Your yeah. voice sounds it sounds like it's recovering, right? Made made a little bit of progress since the last episode. The the low end of my voice is there, but if I try and heighten my voice even slightly, it it pretty much it goes out. Let's do some sound bites. Let's do some tests. Let's okay. show some excitement. <laughs> um, <laughs> do re mi Oh my god, that sounds like me on a regular basis. This <laughs> is gone. Kevin, we'll keep it with you, man. Um how are you? What have you been playing since the last time we talked? What's going on, brother? Man, you know, it all started when I was a kid. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm doing great. I, I really am doing great. We're, it's been a very busy week. Um, I've actually, oh, man, I put Playtale and uh, Visage down for a minute because I jumped, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but I jumped back on the Cyberpunk um, train, and uh, oh, man, I'm enjoying it. Again. So you beat the game once already, right? Is this your second playthrough or your third? Game. So, okay, it's my first playthrough still, technically. Uh, but I had a save, so I went and I beat the game. I think there's five different endings, four different endings, something like that. So I beat the game four or five times already. And I've gotten all the endings. And now oh, I'm working whoa. my way through the trophies to get the uh, the missable trophies, which is like the quest lines and stuff. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then I'm going for platinum. I was going to wait for the, for the patch. But uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> how, many, how many hours have you logged? Have you checked? Uh, I am PS5? at 7612 right now. Okay, that's not too bad for four not or five yet. playthroughs. Yeah. And how, again, how not full playthroughs. Just sorry, what was that? How long is one playthrough? So I messed around a lot. Um, but I think I, I want to venture to say I beat it about 50. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't terrible. Yeah. Yeah, 50. That's probably doing like a good amount of side quests. Yeah, because like, I was the, trying to take the main like campaign itself is like what thirty hours. I don't know because I was busy doing side gigs and <laughs> and they call them side gigs. Uh, there's like gigs. There's as you're driving through the city, uh, you get hit up by the police. There's little dispatch reports, and so I was doing those that randomly pop up. I was just exploring, hey, hanging out with Judy. Yeah, <laughs> Judy. It's too bad I'm not her type, uh, but that'll make Pan, sense. Pan, later. Pan Am though. Mm, she was actually the one I finished the game with. Okay, I, well, I didn't. I didn't know you like finish a game with one of them. Like it's a. You, I mean, so you can romance. 
you can romance, but you know, I'm a gentleman in games. I don't romance more than one person. You know, I think the options there, but me and Panem were like, we're, we're like this. Oh yeah. So yeah. That's Finished why you have her. multiple save files. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's not cheating if you haven't done it. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's cool, man. Anything else you're playing? That's it right now. I, I just actually, no, you know what? Actually, that's not it. I, uh, I downloaded Titan Souls. I booted it up. I haven't played it yet. I, uh, you were talking up games like Titanfall or Titanfall. I was Titan talking, talking uh, Titanfall. <laughs> I outside of here, we were talking up Titan Souls, uh, Hyperlight Drifter. And so it got me really interested in playing um, more of these like kind of 8 bit looking games. Yeah, for sure. So man. I'm looking forward to getting in on that. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Mm. Jimmy, what about you, man? What are you playing? Yeah, I need it. As you kind of mentioned, uh, just continuing my journey as a warrior of light in uh, Final Fantasy XIV. Oh, yeah. So, you know, the, that, that game has a what they call kind of like a main scenario that and, and that has a bunch of quests in it. But, you know, depending on the class that you pick, you also have a storyline for your specific class. So I did most of the main scenario quests for the Stormblood um, expansion, nice. and now I'm just going back to do my class um, quest line. Uh, nice, man. Yeah, so pretty much uh, did that yesterday, completed it. It was it was dope for the uh, summoner um, quest line. Uh, but outside of that, just mainly um, trying to get back and finally beat Miles Morales. Nice. And, mm -hmm. And I tried, um, and we briefly talked about it in the last episode, but using performance RT. Um, that How's that working for you? It's been pretty good. It looks nice. Getting all Where were you at before that? Were you doing a fidelity mode before that? Um, I think it was just regular performance. Okay. Which one? Which one? Which mode? It defaults to fidelity out of the is, box. Is that for like the, like, 30 fps mode yep. or yep. yeah no i changed that to 60. <laughs> okay so right right out of the gate you're like you're not way. even messing with that yeah. okay because i did right Th that was i think the f one of the first ps5 games i played and i i wanted to see the next gen graphics so yeah. the first i think couple of hours i did the 30 frames and then once you switch over and it's so buttery smooth the way he's just sort of <laughs> gliding and swinging through the air i was like nah there's no going back i would well, contemplate and going um to 30 fps using that into the verse like spider oh yeah oh yeah Since that well one but did that you because i want by default doesn't get any smoother yeah because after daniel beat it um they re they introduced a new mode where it was 60 frames with ray tracing and they just cut down on exterior yeah. elements like you know the grouping was a little bit smaller and car draw distance is a little smaller um did you happen to use that mode or did you just use 60 frames yeah so that's what um that's what uh performance rt is <clears throat> oh, okay i didn't hear you say that sorry yeah, yes so that mode is amazing looks great yes so <laughs> i think that's i think that's the mode to play on and i, I mean ratchet and clank as well that's i i did the same thing with ratchet and clank nope. this time it was a different story where it's this is the, supposedly the best looking game out there right now. I had to play the first two or three hours in fidelity mode. And yeah. that one, I, I still noticed it, but I felt like the, I thought Spider-Man benefited more from the 60 frames uh, yeah. more than Ratchet yeah, did. Definitely. But they, they both obviously do. Well, and even with 
as far as like ray tracing goes, it was, I felt like it was a lot more noticeable in miles. Um, it definitely brought some stuff. Yeah. I mean, oh, okay. That was a crappy way to put it. It definitely <laughs> brings amazingness to, to the gameplay and just being able to see yourself in reflections and, and how things and, and all the lighting works and stuff. But, but uh, yeah, I feel like I saw the benefits a lot more in miles Morales and ratchet. It was cool, but it was almost like you, you didn't even notice it because there's just so much going on all the time. Yeah. Um, so no, miles for sure. A lot more noticeable on glass and things like that, or puddles, whatever. Well, have you seen? If you see the screenshots that that Insomniac retweets often, like you yeah, see the the reflections beautiful. off of the helmets and stuff, I'm like, oh my yeah. god, it's so cool. Like, I didn't like, I didn't, I didn't do photo mode as much as I probably should have yes. in, in Ratchet. Yes. But that game is just freaking gorgeous. Yeah, it was killing me. I, that game, uh, dude, it's so good. I spent so much time just sitting and staring at the at the environments and stuff and like even just looking at like clank and boxes and textures and just like things i just <laughs> spent a lot of time just staring at things in staring, that game. staring at boxes yeah. my wife's <laughs> like what are you doing and i'm like look at how great this looks i was on a i was on a party chat with our, our friend friend of the show mo and he just over and over he was just Whoa. mind blown by the fact that the the what is it the bolts that you collect are rage yeah. you know just like just so ray trace bolts cool. yeah so just all the, all the <sighs> little details man yeah well and you know what's funny about that okay so you can actually get uh different skins as you unlock gold bolts so golden bolts not to spoil anything unlock different things among them skins uh and so you can actually change eventually the skin on the bolts that you collect so like for I instance, did see I that yeah. mine I set mine to rupees because I was just in a real Zelda mood and I set mine to rupees and seriously just watching them spin and watching the light bounce off of them oh, and even man. walking up to them and seeing the reflection. I was like, this is amazing. I didn't see that. You must have collected more gold bolts than me because <laughs> I, I saw they, the they were just like, they were like texture legend. skins. So, what was yeah. that? I said the man's a legend. Wait, the maybe I'm legend. full of crap. Maybe I'm thinking of a different skin. Because I remember the walking up, it might have just been the regular bolts, but I remember walking up and being like, "Oh my gosh, I can see myself in these." Um, I was, I was just, I was about to fact check that, and it's like I typed in rupees, and it's like rupees to U.S. dollars. Uh, we're not gonna fact check that. We're gonna believe Kevin. He's yeah, not a liar. I'll do it right now. No, no, I, you know, I'm not a liar, but I do sometimes get things wrong. It's okay. Very you you rare. fact check that while I go. Unless okay. Jeremy, unless Jeremy, do you have more games that you've played you want to share? Um, no, it was pretty much those two. I will say though, in light of like the, the previous episode where, you know, this is not what you've been playing, but I'm thinking about playing, um, uh, Arcade <laughs> apparently is not a hero shooter. It's a roguelite experience like Returnal, but with co-op. You know, I still haven't seen that anywhere. Jeremy, you said that you've like picked that up from some of the impressions. I know there was yeah. an early, is it, was it an early access that PlayStation it's, players had? Yeah, it's an early access game that's available on PS5 and I think through the PC on Epic Game Store, I think. Okay. I, uh, I remember you saying that. I'm like, oh, that piqued my interest because the game has like kind yeah. of a cool art style. It, it, it is. You know, very colorful and, and vibrant and all that. So I do appreciate that. It has sort of like Osmosis Jones-like character <laughs> models, <laughs> which I think is kind of cool. But again, it looked like sort of that arena the first hero. Thing I shooter. thought of when I saw it. 
That's you saw, I was did you think of as well Osmosis that was Jones? The first thing, yeah, because they just they're like regular people with no nose. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, that's Osmosis Jones. Yeah. And I, I dig that. I don't you don't see a ton of games that look like that. Yeah. So I dig that, but I'm just like I, I games like that, I'll try them for, you know, maybe a couple of try a couple of days, a week max, and then they're not my cup of tea. I usually move away, move on from them. Yeah, and I think that's kind of like the I don't know, that's one of the downsides of getting something early access. You're supporting the devs and their roadmap, but in the mm -hmm. beginning, it may not be as like content rich as you would want it to be. Well, Hades went through like a year of early yeah. access, didn't didn't it? And how much yeah. do they benefit from that freaking game of the year? Yeah, uh, caliber. So about, I mean, um, apparently, Arcade Again is pretty polished itself. So yeah. okay, well, Warframe, Warframe's been in beta. I think it just barely came out of beta, like. Is it still in beta? Warframe I, was like in beta for like 10 years. I feel like it's no longer in beta. That would be weird. I don't know, man. That would be so beta. weird if it is. That was like a <laughs> PS4 like launch title. It was yeah. it was still in beta uh when it launched at PS on PS4. It was still technically a beta. They had unbetafied it. Like a console beta, maybe. Because that it, it's been out on PC for longer than that, I feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I typed in Warframe and the one of the first results was beta end. <laughs> will beta ever end in 2017 though okay right. so it took, so, about, it took them about four years yeah wait a minute now i gotta look that up too okay see what the version number is anyways yeah. uh yeah after that i'm pretty much done arcade again okay beta. so what i've been playing i actually i don't know if i told you guys but i got i got a hold of the oled model you like that no, no, I got, you know, we didn't cover it last week because we, we focused me. on the, yeah, I got a hold of the OLED model. Here it is right here. <laughs> it, it's beautiful. Believe it or it's not, it's been, it's been it with us the whole time. For our, our audio listeners, I'm holding up a beautiful OLED model of uh, the PS Vita, the greatest life. <laughs> dedicated handheld console ever. Oh my gosh. Um, I've actually been playing it. I I, I uh, booted it up recently and I've been playing Titan Souls. I think Kevin, you brought it up earlier. I've been playing <laughs> Titan Souls by the development team at Acid Nerve. They got a game coming out next week, uh, Death's Door, which we're all planning Woo! on playing and covering and doing some impressions for. So I thought maybe I want to go back and revisit their, their first game, which is Titan Souls, a game that I haven't played in probably seven years. I played it when it first came out and what drew me to it was that it's sort of like a Zelda and shadow of the Colossus inspired, mm -hmm. you know, indie game where it's a, this top down view. You're this small boy who uh, essentially you're traveling from boss room to boss room with, with very various like, you know, environments that you, you sort of traverse through, whether it's like the snow area or the, like the, the lava area, the forest area, and so on. And then uh, it's just, it's only boss battles. And there's about 24 bosses or so in the entire game. And it's freaking difficult. It's really difficult. I remember I didn't get very far when I first played it. Um, <laughs> I got a little bit further this time. I'm down to the eighth boss right now. Um, and you could, after the first four, you could like sort of tackle them in different orders. Um, but essentially you're just armed with this uh, bow and arrow. You have one bow that you can call back after you shoot it. <laughs> but as you're doing that, your your movements are, are sort of frozen and the bosses are all very aggressive, whether they're like rolling at you, throwing stuff at you. Um, and yeah, it's really cool. It's very fast paced. Each boss has like a weakness that you have to aim, like you have to sort of wear down and aim, aim for. 
Um, really cool game, freaking difficult. And what makes it more difficult, I don't know why I keep doing this for, to myself. All the tough games, I don't play them with a proper Switch Pro controller mm, or a uh, DualSense mm. or an Xbox controller. I play them with these little itty bitty buttons right yeah, here. I, yeah. I did that with Switch. I did that, you know, I played Cuphead and uh, Celeste and Mega Man X with Switch handheld. And I'm doing that again with Vita. So I may actually, That's if I funny. continue my playthrough, I may actually switch over to the PlayStation and play with the DualSense. Um, is it is it cross save, cross uh, progression? It is, it nice. is, is it? It is, yeah. So I need That's to. Crazy. I I I, don't, I haven't really done that. I don't think with any of my Vita PS4 games. So I need to figure out um, how that works exactly. But there's an <laughs> option when you start the game to enable cross save. Maybe it just uploads it to the cloud. <laughs> Maybe I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to uh, fight those seven I was gonna call them colossi monsters <laughs> bosses uh, all over again because like once you sort of get the pattern down I mean a couple of them I'm like oh my god I got lucky there that was a huge relief but once you get the pattern down it's 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 um, fairly manageable all right so playing that and another game that I'm playing in anticipation of Death's Door finally playing Hyperlight Drifter and playing that on the PS5. Nice. Um, and that game like is one of those that I don't know if I think it was originally a Kickstarter, I believe. Don't know for sure. I believe it was a Kickstarter. It's one of those games where you see the art style and you're like, this is beautiful. And it looks and you see their initial trailer for it, and you're like, it looks incredible, but there's no way it lives up to the hype, right? How many like yeah. Kickstarters like Mighty Number no. Nine and yeah. <laughs> uh, Broken Broken Age? How many Kickstarters have like ended in disappointment? So I uh, paid attention to it when it was, and again, I'm pretty sure it's a kick, it was a Kickstarter. I paid attention to it when in its sort of initial launch cycle and forgot about it. Years later, I picked it up and finally I'm playing it just because I know the Death Store developers, they, they mentioned it recently <laughs> in an interview that their game, I'm basing all my gameplay, all my, all my gaming right now on, on the release of death store next week. Um, <laughs> they mentioned hyperlight drifter as one of their like points of inspiration, um, where it's like, you do a lot of the rolling. I'm going to coin it as a slash and dash. That, those are my kinds of games, you know, bloodborne, <laughs> um, where you just, you know, slash your enemy a couple times and just roll out of there. And, uh, those are really my favorite games, whether it's in the sort of 2d, 2D space or, isometric or 3d i'm all about that kind of action uh so playing hyperlight drifter incredible art style incredible combat um just everything about it like the world is just so mysterious there's like no lines of dialogue everything's told through like pictures and glyphs and runes and stuff which could be really jarring i think uh, i i tried it out a few months ago and i stopped playing because i'm like i have no idea what the hell i'm doing um and i sort of approached it with a different mindset this time and uh, I found I found my I found my way. If you if, if you're patient with it early on, you'll find your way and you'll figure out what the game's trying to tell you. That sounds good. Like I, I know that that is in my eternal backlog. Eternal backlog. But one of the just things, do it. You just got to do it, Jeremy. One of the things that I wanted to I discuss with to you too, though, sir. Yes, please. Previous episode. Oh, no, no, no. After Jeremy, after Jeremy, please. You were going through Titanfall 2, the campaign, and mm -hmm. you beat it. Yes. What oh, did you think I, about I, that? I, last, you're right. Last third. You're right. I hadn't completed. I thought I completed it in, before the last show. So, Jeremy, it's it's. 
I, I don't like, I don't want to spoil it. I think I know which <laughs> I think I, I, I spoiler mode. <laughs> I mean, it, it is, it is a five-year-old game, right? Um, and I don't know if it's, I, this isn't a spoiler. Are you talking about like part where it's a lot of Titan versus Titan uh, combat I'm or talking. the aerial boarding ship sort of uh, stage? So it's two, it's, it's like two parts. There's a, there's a mechanic later on that has you switching back and forth in the level basically two different versions of the level back and forth but then there's also this that part where they give you essentially that handgun and you just oh my god i love that level. part <laughs> okay i love that part holy <laughs> crap was that satisfying you like do a wall run and then sort of lock into your enemies mm -hmm. i don't want i don't want to say a whole lot to 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 spoil it because it's, it's like one of the last Wick. portions. Oh my There's god, I loved it. That was Wick. so freaking satisfying. Yep. It was it was hard to tell. It was hard to tell what area you're talking about in terms of like the, the part that everyone talks about. Yeah. Because the last three stages were all like, oh shit, this is amazing. <laughs> and I told you, like, from essentially the halfway point, or maybe even like the third level, that's how I felt about every yeah. single one, whether it's that moving platforms and you're like sort of moving along with mm -hmm. the moving platform stage, whether it's the one where you're sw uh, swapping between times, which I was kind of impressed with. I'm like, I, I thought like the media, when the medium came out, everyone was sort of raving about how yeah. you could switch between the two worlds. I'm like, Titanfall <laughs> of it. And I haven't played the medium. So yeah. I don't know to what extent it does it or how far it takes it. But I'm like, Titanfall did this in 2015. Um, mm -hmm. or I'm sorry, 2016 or whenever it came and out. And that's that's the one I was talking about without trying to spoil it of you having to go into like two different like time. Oh, I had passed. So, yeah, I had already done that part in the last in the last episode. Oh, that was great. I posted Jeremy, you, man, you got to be on Twitter, bro. I posted a funny clip on that. <laughs> I posted a funny clip on that on Twitter where I'm swapping between times and just running up to people and punching them, just decking them because it has the most satisfying melee where it's just a one hit kill on most enemies. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I'm just like, you punch him and you just see like blood splatter over. I'm like, God, that's a powerful <laughs> punch. That's a, that's a strong punch. Uh, so I was doing that. And, uh, the, yeah, the, the enemies kept on like sort of saying, where did he go? Boom. Um, <laughs> so right. satisfying. So uh, satisfying. So good. so good. Guys, if you haven't played Timefall, highly recommended. It. It's like a six hour campaign. Mm -hmm. As my friend Wes says, all killer, no filler baby <laughs> that's great that's didn't almost, say baby. i added the baby you you were almost there with uh with slash and dash all killer no filler that's fantastic slash dash. <laughs> all killer no uh, filler that's Titanfall. kevin you're back okay. with a lot of fact checking and thoughts talk, yes talk okay so uh i ha i didn't discover really anything about warframe uh but back in back in 2019 <laughs> someone said is this ever going to be out of open beta so at least uh, a couple years ago, uh, the world still didn't know if it was out of open beta. So I'll have to just. I almost want to. I have like we need to know. That Warframe still in beta? If it's not. In beta, oh yeah, I guess like I guess I could have just asked that. I said, when will the beta end, or when did the beta end? So maybe it just hasn't, and that's why. And that's why I couldn't <laughs> find an answer to that question. Wait, but but more importantly, um, oh, I hate being wrong. Yeah, the skins. I thanks, Backbone. I had to check real quick. The skins do not ray trace. They've got a really killer. It's mm. weird. They do reflect the environment to a degree, but like ratchet doesn't show up on there. I can see some jars that I broke. 
um popping up in there and i can see a little bit of like the color and the background and stuff but it's not the most beautifully ray traced uh thing I'm, ever. i'm kind of impressed that you're able to pull that up on your phone backbone whatever you're doing like yeah I mean, you've mastered this backbone thing, yeah check this thing out dude again shameless plug like anybody that has money to just absolutely throw away on a mobile device controller this backbone is so cool i don't know I'm why i'm being, being such paid a I don't know why. I don't know why I I'm so it. hesitant to, to pick it up. To have like, it. I'll go and buy like <laughs> in one in one sitting. I'll go and buy like five games that I have no intention of playing, or, or, or just, just for the collection. And they're not very impressive games either. I think like yeah, it's a lot of like rebuying games that I had digitally, just like so yes. having physical. But I, I don't know why. I just I don't want to spend a hundred dollars on this amazing piece of like. Uh, well, here's the thing though. It's got to be worth it for you. Like like for me, I have three kids that don't want to watch me run over hookers in cyberpunk uh, and listen to people <laughs> drop the f-bomb every 10 seconds uh you're like i don't want my kids to listen to that so i use this backbone like religiously at this point uh we'll pretty much come home and they'll like go if they're playing outside i'm playing on tv but but if they're inside and i want to play a game and it's just been a really long day i'm i'm busting this thing out it's fantastic nice man i love it like so i it's said next time for me Next time I see you in person, you're gonna have to give me a, a demo, and I'm sure like I'll probably pre-order or not pre-ordered, order it right right then and there. Yeah, dude, I'll definitely whip out my backbone for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. Anytime. Thank you, brother. I'll even let you touch my backbone <laughs> if you choose. I want to hold your backbone. <laughs> I want to hold you, Jeremy. You can join in too, man. If you want to hold my backbone, that's fine. Room for There's, one more. It's big enough for everybody. <laughs> Jeremy, backbone with us. You know what? What a weird name, but but what a good name, right? You know, I guess the thing was called like the Infinity Thunder Thunderstick Seven. Yeah, no one would be uh, remembering. No, it's the worst name ever. But also, I mean, it's exactly what it is, and it's so sturdy. Like I love it, dude. Are we ready to talk uh, some news? Oh yeah, but after, do you remember the game Vice by any chance? No, maybe. Okay, Game Vice was like one of the first ones to try and do this. Uh, and then they actually ended up trying to, I think, I think they tried to sue Nintendo. Uh, because oh, because they came out, they came out right before Someone the suing Switch Nintendo came out. and Nintendo not suing no, them and the years other, ago. Not the other way around. I think if I recall, and again, we're gonna have to fact check this, but <laughs> I if I recall, Game Vice came out with their their mobile controllers that you like pop the pop this thing into your phone into and then uh they tried to sue nintendo because uh because the design was similar and nintendo for, of the switch uh joy cons and oh, they lost you know what? I miserably. Remember that story they lost miserably they were like your case has absolutely no water sorry man <laughs> i like how i search game vice and i'm just getting just bombarded by ads for <laughs> for uh the backbone uh, it's listening it's so funny sorry okay let's talk news should we talk some oh, news? Wait, 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 wait. I just I typed in a game by Suze, and the, the first thing that comes up is Sue's Nintendo again. Oh, they're back. they're back. Oh, they're back in with, 2020. With okay, yeah. Hey, Kevin, yeah. how about some news? Should we talk I would some love, news? I would love to talk some news. Maybe, like, I don't know, we can start with Legend of Zelda or something. Something, <laughs> something just to get it off the plate and move on. You read my freaking mind. Story number one. The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD early reviews are here. So here's how it scores Metacritic. 
from a pool of 50 critics. It's sitting at an 82. Open critic, 41 critics weighed in and give it an 82 as well. And Twitter user Nibble did a roundup of a lot of different um, media sites. And here's how they sort of score them. VGC, 5 out of 5. Game Informer, 8. Press Start, 8. The Gamer, 4 out of 5. The Guardian, 4 out of 5. Screen Rants, 4 out of 5. And GameSpot with a 7, which is a little surprising. The game releases this Friday, July 16th. I got it pre-ordered. I got the uh, Joy-Cons. I think it's going to be a Skyward Sword HD kind of weekend for me if it arrives on time. I got the Joy-Cons. I got the Joy-Cons. They're not coming until um, they're not coming until Saturday for me because Target just doesn't Target doesn't care if you pre-order. They'll they'll send no. it whenever they want. Um, yeah. So yeah, what do you what do you guys think, Jeremy? Is this sort of in line with? how you thought it was going to score. Now, keep in mind uh, the Metacritic for the Wii, original Wii version, uh, was 92. I'm really curious about that. So what made it score less? And this is coming from someone who didn't get a chance to play Skyward Sword originally. I think I, I, I didn't go through all of them, obviously, but some of the, some of the consensus I've heard from the, the lower or the mixed scores have been that uh the the improvements are sort of like minimal the quality of life improvements aren't as as big as they should be and not a whole lot has been changed since the the release what 10 years ago or so but i and i hate to be like oh it's just nintendo being nintendo but really it kind of is right like majora's mask and ocarina of time are the only ones they ever really did like a massive overhaul on well that's not true because then there's also the gamecube versions of well, that was Ocarina Majora's Mask. But, uh, um, yeah, I don't know, man. As someone who never got... Well, okay, I played it sort of on the Wii, but I didn't have the Wii U Motion or the Wii U Motion Plus controllers. Oh, okay. uh, and so I couldn't I couldn't play it after my buddy needed his stuff back. But, um, but so that being said... It was required, right? Because I remembered it was... Uh, was it packaging? It was, it was like a gold, a gold Wiimote with yes. the Plus. Yes. Okay. And so, and then ultimately they ended up doing the Wii Motion Plus built in, but, but it, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it was cool. I played the beginning of it, um, and I never got to beat it. So it's actually one of the only Zelda games I never got to beat other than Wind Waker. Um, but that being said, sorry, I've got off on a tangent. Uh, they don't ever really overhaul their re-releases. Yeah. yeah, compare them you to know, what other like you know their their rivals at at Microsoft and Sony are doing. <laughs> yeah, the Master Chief Collection, where if you you can switch back and forth between the original yes. graphics and so the redone insane. textures and details, mm -hmm. it's 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 night and day. And then obviously, you know, I know Sony goes to great lengths where they will actually go and remake games like yep. Shadow of the Colossus and Demon Souls, which is just like. The definition of of sort of, of world class yeah. of a world class remake doesn't doesn't hurt that they're like closely you know partnered or associated with Blue Point who are like yeah. the masters of the remake, um, and you know they also did the uh, Nathan Drake collection and so on yeah. where you know yeah. like I went back and last year played Uncharted One and that they they redid that one really nicely and. Yeah. In some cases, you know, some some users will point out that. Hey, Skyward Sword HD like sort of enhanced doesn't even look all that great. It's kind of yeah. showing it's showing its pores a little yes. bit and it's like it's age a bit. So it's less pixelated, and that's about it. You know, I mean, from the screenshots and stuff I saw, it's less pixelated, and that's kind of it. It, <laughs> it, it. It's going to be in my eternal backlog. 
I I have to just commit to finishing Link's Awakening first before I yeah. try any new Zelda game. I think the disappointing thing, though, is given the lack of like updates and changes to the to the base game, is and they did this on purpose because they they know that we'll buy it anyway. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. That they could have packaged <laughs> this up like the Mario All Stars, yeah. right? And we could oh, have no had. Like we could have had Twilight Princess and yep. uh, and uh, Wind Waker, but they know we're gonna buy those separately too. So, but you know what though? I wonder if, and this is purely not based in anything. It is a hundred percent just Kevin speculation. But I wonder if they might do it big with Twilight Princess. Like Twilight Princess is such a beloved mm. game. I know Squ- Skyward Sword kind of is too, but. But it, it wasn't everyone's favorite. You know, Twilight Princess was like a lot of people's favorite. I wonder if they would do yeah. the same treatment that they gave Majora's Mask and that they gave um, Ocarina of Time to that game and Wind Waker. Because Wind Waker and Twilight Princess were both absolute gems. I think um, they, so Wind Waker, I recently started. It didn't get very far. I think I, I played the first like couple of dungeons or so. I went and mm-hmm. played it, but its art style lends itself it's so beautiful. well to an update. Like I pl- mm-hmm. I'm, I'm playing the HD version on Wii U. Yep. And it holds up, man. Like yep. it, that, that's an art style that I know got a lot of criticism when it came out. The whole two <laughs> yeah. thing, but now? who's laughing now? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. It holds up better than Twilight Princess and Skyward yeah. Sword do because it's not yeah. going for the detail. Everything's very simplified. And I don't think like, of course you want them. You'd hope that they have the teams to, to devote that effort and energy to like really do those up and update them further. But I don't think they have to, and I'd, I'll still say the same for Skyward Sword HD. I, I would, you would hope that for a sixty dollar package, mm-hmm. they would do that. They would enhance it, and it is a little disappointing that it's not. But here we are. I think all three of us have it pre-ordered. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're all I gonna buy wait. it anyways. And <laughs> for me, for me. With Nintendo in general, but just like the Legend of Zelda series, it's never been about graphics, unfortunately, no. because no. it's experience. because it's never it's never really delivered on that, and and the, it's sort of made up. Kevin, what's going on? Bro? What are I you breaking? My what iPad. Are, okay, <laughs> my iPad on. Pick it up if you need to. You for for me, it's, it, for me, it's oh, always about the the whole the gameplay experience, the whole package, right? The item usage, yeah. the dungeons, the exploration, the boss fights, and the various ways you have to you know use your items that you've picked up in that same dungeon to defeat yeah. the bosses and all that. And I just recently played Orcarina Time uh, on 3DS, and that got a really nice overhaul because it needed it. And N64 yeah. games have not aged very well. No. <laughs> Whereas I think the the GameCube and the Wii games have aged obviously a lot better, but N sixty four games are rough. So yes. I'm, I'm thankful for that update. Well, <laughs> Nintendo historically hasn't really been a, like about like having like the prettiest like mm-hmm. graphics. Um, I think the last time they did that was probably like what the GameCube. It was the second yeah. most powerful console during that generation. Um, yeah. I remember, I remember when they had the Resident Evil games, and I was yeah, like flipping was through like the, the screens for, I think it was Resident Evil Zero. I'm like, oh my god, look how good this looks on the game. Zero and remake, huh? yeah, yep. Oh man, but that's what I was saying when you, when you're talking there. Um, Nintendo for me has always been about the experience. Right. Like 
I have had more emotional experiences from obviously from from numerous games, but but like just think about Majora's Mask, like that sense of dread. And I played that mind you when I was a kid, you know, so so that sense of just like impending doom and dread and then ultimately to to be successful and losing things along the way. And you know, it was just even Ocarina of Time, like going to the future and that stuck with me forever, like going to the future and just seeing everything just ruined. It, oh, yeah. I mean, Hyrule Castle just being destroyed. It just stuck with me. And so those experiences for me, even even Mario, I mean, you know, Mario 64 um, I don't know the other ones, <laughs> whatever. I haven't played them in a really long time, but Mario it's always been about sunshine. the experience. I can go back and play uh, Mario 64 and be happy every time. And here's the thing. I will, if, if you're offering a good experience and you're able to compensate the graphics with a great, with great art direction, I'm all for it. Like a yep. game like rhyme yep. has great art direction. You know, oh, yeah. uh, that game company doesn't push as many textures or, you know, whatever, but I think they make some of the most beautiful games. Um, so it's not always about lifelike or realistic graphics. Yeah. It's and, and Nintendo's never really been known for yeah. that. But you know, with that said, with that said, I don't want like we're giving Nintendo a bit of a pass here, and yeah. obviously <laughs> we want them to step up. But it's like one of those situations where when they have con consistently disappointed you in something, right? With yeah. with the way their ports work, where <laughs> you don't expect a whole lot different from them. You're like, yeah. that's. That's what Nintendo well, but, does. But the games are great, but they're not going to push any technical boundaries. What's funny about that, too, though, is that now that they've released Link's Awakening, we know what they're capable of. And it actually makes it a little more depressing when they release a crappy port because you're like or like a crappy remaster. And you're like, look, he did Link's Awakening <laughs> like, like Skyward Sword HD 2.0 is like it's great. I'm excited. I can't wait to play it. But but yeah, you're like, mm, you probably could have done a little better. <laughs> yeah subpar can you imagine if they did that in like a like a pixel remaster like the final fantasy games that square's oh doing yeah. <laughs> oh man people lose it <laughs> I kinda all right i will say one thing that would be interesting from a old school zelda game is to see how that like that 2.5d like art style how that would translate to a old like zelda game when Anyways, you say 2.5D, like which which uh, which type of game is that? I'm talking about like Link's Octopath. Awakening did that basically. Oh I'm, yeah, I'm talking something similar to like Octopath, like Octopath or like what's the Traveler. one? What's the one? Um, oh gosh, Daniel, you just played it on the DS, but that a link Link's, between worlds, a link between worlds. That's what I'm talking about. Is that is that technically 2.5D? I call that, that top down. I call that a top down Zelda. Okay. okay. Yeah, I think yes, it's on 2.5D is like something like Little Nightmares or yeah. uh, okay, like yeah, 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 yeah. I like your example of Octopath because I've been playing that too, and that game is just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess that that type of gameplay doesn't or that style doesn't really lend itself to something that's historically been like top down. Maybe something like mm -hmm. Metroid, though. Ooh. That's a side scroller. Oh, I can't wait for Dread. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, you know what? A side scroller. Zelda 2, The Adventures of Link. They wanted to remake that game. There, there is, you know, there, that game has its fans, but it's, it's, uh, it's obviously a brutal game and has, uh, was, is the sort I wonder, of the. I wonder what that would look like as a remake. Like, because obviously you can't literally just remake it as it uh, currently stands. You know, let's just pitch it to Nintendo, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if you get, if you've seen, seen games like Song of Iron, 
which is a side scroller, but has just like really like awesome stuff where there's like enemies coming from the background into the foreground. Ooh, uh, someone cool. on Twitter just told me about Un unto the end. I think it was, it was called very similar style. Um, so that could be really cool guys. Story number two, mm. Xbox's Matt booty did an interview with the guardian and he's saying that not every game has to be an evolving life service. And we just talked about this in our last episode about a lot of Xbox's games are you're laughing. Were you not? Were we not done with Zelda? You want to no, 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 no. Matt I'm... Booty just has a glorious name. <laughs> Him and his friend uh, Harold. This Penis. is a maturity that podcast panel we you, give you, you, day, you week all, in and week out, y'all. You also passed the test because number two was totally something different. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> number two from Mr. Booty. <laughs> All right, so he spoke with The Guardian, and I'm reading here from uh, VGC where Chris Scolian writes, Not all of Xbox's upcoming games are made with live services in mind. Xbox Game Studio head Matt Booty has stressed. Booty told The Guardian, that's so funny. To say that. I was like, We're the freaking worst. You guys did this to me. I was fine. Booty told The Guardian that a success with cross-platform connected games like Minecraft and Sea of Thieves doesn't mean every game it's publishing in the future will be built with the constantly evolving live service in mind. He says, quote, we don't have... Uh, any direction or mandate that every game has to be an ongoing, sustained game. Take Psychonauts. There might be a Psychonauts 3, but I'm not going to tell Tim Schafer to go make it. Knowing the history of games that he makes, I don't think he's going to make that uh, a game that has seasons and goes on for five years. So it's essentially essentially Xbox have being pushing the subscription and streaming services of xCloud and Game Pass have this narrative or this story out there that sure you guys have these great services, but a lot of your games moving forward are going to be live service games that yeah. have these sort of ongoing updates. Take halo infinite, for instance, mm -hmm. they keep saying it's not a game. It's a platform, right? And it's something that they hope that goes on for 10 years or so. You look, you Infinitely. think about all the, the various <laughs> infinitely. <laughs> yeah sharing these memories with our grandchildren um and you you know you think about all the various ips that they have I, that's what i'm thinking about you got various ips uh like forza and sea of thieves and even new ones that they're developing like perfect dark i feel like perfect dark could absolutely have this ongoing multiple season sort of thing i'm talking out of my ass here i know that's intended to be uh a little i mean i'm speculating because not a whole no, we no. don't know a whole lot about it outside of the teaser trailer and uh what the, that that they've revealed that they're going sort of all in on and on delivering this highly polished high production triple a game that's going to have a solid offline campaign i imagine mm -hmm. but Perfect Dark has always has always lent itself to multiplayer, hasn't it? And and I don't mean to just focus on that, but they do have a number of IPs that lend themselves really well to services, yet they also have IPs and, and studios like Double Fine, like Ninja Theory, like Compulsion Games mm. that their bread and butter is in single player games. So Kevin, what yeah. do you think? Do you do we believe Matt Booty here? Um yeah, I mean, so like, for instance, look at like, and I know we're talking about Microsoft, but just to to say like 
I personally love single player story games. I mean, I love a good co-op and I love a good online multiplayer and things like that. But but like the single player story is not dead. And I think if anybody's shown that this last generation, it's been like Sony making these amazing uh, single player stories like God of War and Days Gone and, and things like that that have absolutely no online component to them. You know, and, and I love those kinds of stories that are just very focused. I mean, look at like Star Wars, for instance, just look at a cross-platform game. But but Star Wars, um, uh, what was the name of Jedi Fallen Order? Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order was such an amazing single-player experience. So it proves that you don't need to have all these software as a service and online multiplayer platforms and things like that, like Fortnite, Call of Duty. They can all take care of that. Obviously, you can introduce some new ones. It's not unheard of for these new ones to break out into the market and, and also be totally fun and awesome. In fact, I was playing Spellbreak that came out recently because uh, I got a free. This is so sad, but I got a free <laughs> um, uh code to to download it and download like the there's some 80 dollar edition or something like that that it comes with like a bunch of extras and dlc and stuff and so i got that and i was playing Spellbreak for a little bit and i was like this is fun like i would play this but it's just not my cup of tea i, I love the single player campaign i love the focused stories that are you know maybe have some emotion to them and and make you feel something i need to feel like i'm accomplishing something as a gamer whenever i sit down and play a game and i feel like when i'm doing online multiplayer not that that's bad for me personally though when i'm doing online multiplayer it just doesn't make me feel like i'm accomplishing something you, you know you want there to be an end game an end goal exactly because it's like world of warcraft like great it has a story don't get me wrong it has a story and people love it but like for me if there's just endless quests and there's just endless things to do and grinding and and things to upgrade and whatnot i, I just don't feel like i don't know i don't feel like it's ever gonna end <laughs> and, and I want it to end. Once you unplug from the matrix, you you realize, yeah. wow, I poured hundreds and hundreds of hours yeah. on this loop Warframe. that that is meaningless. Yes. <laughs> when, okay. When, things. Warframe is a perfect example for me. I, I literally, uh, when the PS4 came out, my son, my at the time, my only son was like, I don't know, a month or two old. Like he was not that old. And so he didn't have a whole lot of maintenance, you know, that came with him. So he would like sit in my arms or something or my wife would have him. They don't do a whole lot when they're young. So I would literally just sit there and play Warframe for like a solid day if I could. Um, and I and I didn't buy any of the platinum or anything like that. So I'd go out and grind for armor. Uh, they have this thing where you can forge weapons and it's like real world time like if you're like hey you want to make this weapon it'll take like three days okay. uh, and i'm like oh gosh i gotta wait three days for anyway so i did that though and i would forge all these weapons and i wouldn't pay to win like i would just sit there and grind with these like homies that i made on the game and and it didn't feel like like at the end of everything at the end of like hundreds of hours of of gameplay i was like great i've got 15 warframes and every gun in the game and I can like look at an enemy and he'll explode. Uh, <laughs> but I don't feel like I accomplished anything like any other game. If I didn't have to wait three in game in world days for an, for a, a rifle to, to be made, I could have probably done everything that I did in hundreds of hours in a lot less time. You climb that mountain, <laughs> you're sitting there at the peak and you're like, was... what's next? Yeah. Like there's and... nothing up here. And you know what's funny? I actually got out of Warframe um, right before like their biggest overhaul where the game 
felt like new and refreshed. And I'm actually kind of glad for that because I poured so much time into it. If I had been playing at the time when they did the overhaul and actually like fixed some of the story elements and made a new in-game hub for people to hang out in, I, I think I would have been lost in that game forever. Like it would have probably cost me my marriage. So I personally cannot play <laughs> online like MMO games or or unending story games. <laughs> that was a really long spiel. Sorry. No, that's 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 awesome. Jeremy, do you do you <laughs> do you feel that Microsoft is catering to the single player audience as well, or do you feel like Matt Booty here is is finding the you know one or two examples, but out of their twenty six studios, that the majority of them are maybe doing you know either multiplayer heavy games or live service and that's not necessarily a bad thing right microsoft historically their franchises like gears and halo have been geared right. towards multiplayer but do you feel like they're salivating a little bit right now seeing the genshin impacts and seeing the <laughs> PUBGs and the fortnites and all the money that they're bringing in and then trying to do the same i mean so i, I will see it in the in the next like in the next new segment right like it's no secret that they want to sell game pass yeah and that is all about player engagement oh yeah and so what what's going to get your subscribers to continue to subscribe outside of content uh, obviously like continuously releasing new content uh yeah. a short game probably won't, won't last you that long in terms of like subscription right but I, I think in terms of like overall Microsoft, they got a good balance that they can kind of afford to make those smaller experiences because, yeah, they do have those games as a service types that you mentioned, like Forza, Halo. But then strategically, right, it, they they just purchased a bunch of Western like like they, they purchased a bunch of studios who specialize in Western RPGs. Mm -hmm. Those things take forever <clears throat> To complete yeah and you know so in that way it doesn't have to be a you know live service model right because mm -hmm. games like like that like whatever obsidian obsidian's gonna work on whatever you know some starfield comes on like that's gonna keep you engaged in game pass mm -hmm. for like months so in a way i can kind of see what he's talking about um but it you know, in terms of their overall strategy, it's in their best interest to keep you subscribed into Game Pass because they want that on everything. Not necessarily kind of, you know, the the new story we talked about before about them not necessarily needing to sell hardware. Yep. And they that, that engagement that engagement is the key metric that they're looking at. Exactly. Well, and can I say too, I mean, to your point about keeping players engaged and and uh you know, I mean, with Game Pass, for instance, uh, you're right. I mean, as far as, I mean, they do need that player engagement. If, and if that's going to come in the form of uh, of the next online, you know, Battle Royale or whatever, uh, that will keep that. Because look at me, I played all five freaking Gears of War games and, and the entire Master Chief collection in like three weeks. And if I didn't already have three years uh, bought, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to cancel my Game Pass for a minute until something good gets on there. You know, and so now I'm, I'm still playing through Game Pass, but it's like, I'm probably not the typical subscriber. I, I really only want the experiences that speak to me. And that's a lot of single player games. Um, but, you know, just think about it, though. I mean, the, as far as engagement and subscriptions go, I just looked it up right now and it says that 
as of April 20th, 2021, they've got 23 million subscribers. Can you imagine how much money that is? 23 million times, what, 15 bucks a month? Um, I <laughs> is, that, mean, is that the number? Is that the most? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's this, right. Because I think they're shooting to get to like 30, right? By Halo Infinite mm -hmm. later this year. Okay. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, they're yeah. making a ton of money. <laughs> oh, they are. I mean, there, there's there's beyond beyond the revenue to be gained from the games themselves, right? And that they have mm -hmm. an incentive to make games that have expandable content that aren't included in Game Pass, that have uh, purchasable items that you can buy that mm -hmm. aren't going to be included in Game Pass. They definitely have an incentive for that. But beyond that, these the if they get enough subscribers, if they get 50 million subscribers or so paying $15 a month, Game Pass be, could become very, very lucrative for them. And oh, yeah. it's looking like that's what the future is, is going to be, especially if they can land it on multiple devices and, and, and you don't even need an Xbox and so on. There right. are there, there's a lot of revenue. So that's I, 300, also, that's $345 million a month. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. That's and so think and, and yeah, you compare that to how much revenue they've generated over the last oh every year for the last few years or so. Yeah. And that's not including again, that's not including the the revenue generated from other yep. services, advertisements yep. on the platform, expanded content, game purchases themselves. Yep. Um, it ends up being a huge, huge part of their offering. I'll say that I'm I believe matt booty i will say that until they show that they're going to be a champion for these narrative driven single player games on the the scale of sony i won't believe i won't believe it until i see it i am very hopeful for um perfect dark i am very hopeful I, i'm excited for halo for for what that is yeah. and i think it's going to have a fantastic campaign as well is, is its campaign going to be able to compete with the next God of War in terms of its the impact it has, the the attention to detail, how how the story sort of hits you? Yeah. It, I guess it depends on who you are. And so I'm I'm willing to see, I'm waiting to see that. I they've obviously acquired studios that can deliver that, like Ninja Theory, like many studios at uh, Bethesda, um, Arcane specifically. Um, as well as Bethesda Softworks themselves. Mm -hmm. um, but the number one thing that I think in general that both Microsoft and Sony is trying to achieve is diversity. Phil uh, Spencer and Matt Booty have expressed that in multiple <clears throat> interviews that they are trying to diversify their portfolio. We talked about it in a couple episodes ago that they do want to add more family games and so on. So just like Netflix, you know, Netflix is going to have thousands of different things for different, like, different audience members xbox is going to do that and and sony is trying to do that as well because sony has had been the third person over the shoulder camera character driven sort of stories they're trying to diversify that with and having limited success with that right they've released one dead already in destruction all-stars and mm. you know hopefully are partnering with people like a deviation games, like a firewalk studios that, that do have more of a pedigree in those types of games to deliver that diversity. Speaking of live service games, Stadia did a keynote, uh, I believe yesterday or a couple of days ago where they addressed their developer community and they're looking for new ways to, uh, essentially attract, make 
make stadia development more enticing and attractive. And they, they came up with a couple of schemes. One of them raised a few eyebrows where uh, they will, they will reward developers uh, additional uh, addi an additional cut of the revenue based off of playtime. So if a, if, if it's basically based off of engagement, if a user is engaged with your content on a daily basis for seven months, in that particular category, you're going to fare better than the developer who launches a six-hour offline story-driven indie game, indie campaign, yep. right? Because the most players are going to play that for two yep. or three days, and they're not going to benefit from that. Yep. And whereas if you're someone that has a very grindy or just a very good life service type of game, yeah, you're a a destiny for instance a call of duty uh, call of duty warzone it, that sort of game all sports games i mean yeah these guys all the big the big names are gonna be making more money you know these little studios are getting left behind they're giving you an incentive to do that and that could be a dangerous thing because you will now you could see a flood of those types of games going and this is by the way this is for stadia pro that's uh, i believe their subscription service right mm -hmm. yep similar to game pass in a way, but not definitely not as good. That's for stadia pro. Um, and the quote here is yeah, stadia pro will give back 70% of monthly revenues to partners based upon engagement for active claimable, uh, stadia pro titles. What do you guys think of that? Jeremy, does that, does that raise your eyebrow at that incentive? Uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're trying to get developers to release games on their somewhat dead platform. Yeah. Um, I mean, that at least that's what I think. Like, I don't know if Stadia is actually dead, but I just don't know any anyone <laughs> that actually plays on on it. Yeah, it certainly um, had a bumpy ride. But I mean, if if we go back to kind of what we talked about previously about Game Pass, and it's all about engagement, um, and they kind of have a content problem. So how do you kind of meld the, the two together Yeah, <laughs> in a way? You entice the developers with this, getting more profits, uh, but then you also get engagement potentially on who, yeah, like you guys mentioned, potentially attract like these big, you know, players in the industry to go on the platform because obviously then they'll start playing the games, they'll be invested in the ecosystem um and then they'll get this nice incentive where they get a little a little bit more money yeah in their in their pockets um i i think that sucks for anyone that is going to make a shorter experience like they don't get any incentives out of it um yeah. but at the same time it's well it doesn't encourage it, it like if you weren't already encouraged to yeah. develop for Stadia or launch yeah. your, or, or release your game on Stadia, that doesn't that doesn't do anything for you. That encourages the opposite. It could exactly. encourage the opposite, which is throw out a super grindy game that has mechanics where you're just constantly logging in and filling doing these sort of menial tasks and do these quests where you have to head, headshot twelve people today and it, kill fifteen people with the grenade this way and doing these various tasks that. In, in a lot of ways, don't allow you to play the games. I'm, I'm sorry, Jeremy, I know you were in the middle of the thought, but don't allow you to play the games the way they're sort of intended to, but in this mm -hmm. sort of, 
yeah, forced way where you're doing these tasks so that you could build up currency to get cosmetics and upgraded weapons and stuff and so on. Yeah, I was yeah. just going to say it, it almost just entices <clears throat> games like Genshin Impact uh, that kind of require that time investment uh, and, and essentially never really ends, right? Um, yeah. To kind of that that's kind of like the game approach here is just so that you can get that nice benefit because i mean yeah if you're a small indie and you're making a a tight short experience or not even a short experience maybe like a 15 hour 30 hour game um what incentive what incentive is there for you to release on stadia and instead of focusing your resources on these other platforms that are maybe a little bit more friendlier towards like indies and small studios. And I, I agree. Like I, I think there's still a home for that. Not, I think there is still a home for that on Xbox and there's absolutely a home for that on Nintendo and PlayStation Mm -hmm. where of course they wouldn't, they would love some of the piece of that pie as well. They want their next Genshin impact and as well, but just because a game like a Genshin Impact or Warzone or Fortnite is successful doesn't necessarily mean you could replicate that formula and 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 not not there are a lot more failure stories of these types of games these battle royale games these yeah. live service games than there are the handful of successes like the Apex Legends and so on yeah. Kevin what do you think I was just thinking um you know I mean it sucks it's it's kind of it's a little lame because you really are like saying you're, you're really encouraging these these I don't want to call them throwaway games because that's not a nice title for them. But but I mean, these Battle Royale games, they're kind of a dime a dozen now. And and there really is only like a few really big ones, uh, not just Battle Royale, but like the online games like, you know, that have a huge following. Um, and, and whether we're talking about Call of Duty or like you said, Genshin Impact or. Uh, things like Warframe, um, you know, there's all kinds of different ones out there that obviously, I mean, like I said, I invested, I'm embarrassed to say, but I want to venture to say like thousands of hours into Warframe. And so obviously the, every developer could use the money. I mean, it's going to go towards making new games. So that's the pleasant way to look at it. But then I guess the downside of that is is pretty obvious. It's just that these smaller studios can still choose to release on Stadia, but really how much is it going to help them? And do they have to, like, I don't really know much about Stadia. Like, do they have to develop the game in a different way for Stadia? Do they have to do things differently? They're going to cost them more money and time to put it on Stadia. Like, is it worth it at this point? Um, and so I guess that's kind of just the thought that they're going to have to go through now, depending. I mean, it could just be as easy as, hey, upload it to the cloud. There you go. Um, but because I don't know how Stadia really. Yeah, operates, I don't I mean, they, they, they I'm sure there's there's a process that they have. Re- requirements. Yeah. I don't know if they have like an yeah. achievements type models, yeah. certain certain Stadia like yeah. features. I, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I haven't used Stadia to, to really dig into I that. I mean, look. If Google wanted to as well, <laughs> they can they can then reduce the amount that they're getting percentage wise yeah. off of like the, the sales that they get from a game on Stadia to entice other, you know, developers yeah. to publish content on there. Yeah. So who's doing that? I think the, I, I believe it's Microsoft doing that. And Epic is definitely doing that because Epic, yeah. steam well, takes a 30% cut versus Epic. I believe takes only an 18% cut. Wow. That's believe there's, Right. So those well, are ways also, that they're, they're doing, you know, obviously they don't have as big of an, like at the Epic game store yeah. doesn't have as big of an audience as steam, the steam community. 
can I uh, just just one one thing that I thought was really interesting that a Twitter user shared. Um, this was actually quote tweeted by John Lineman from Digital Foundry. And uh, this user on Twitter, Ryan Brown, who does PR at Super Rare Games, writes on Twitter, I feared this day. I warned about this for years and feel no, feel no one really took it seriously. Devs being paid based on playtime is the true horror of subscription-based future. It's the death of creativity, of shorter experiences. I hate this with every fiber of my being. The key stat for subscription-based services is engagement. If you're logging on to a multiplayer game for eight hours a day for two years, that's what matters. Yep. A single player five hour experience that you finish in one sitting becomes next to worthless to these platforms. Well, can I say that's what I was going to say generally along those lines, there's got to be some sort of, and maybe there's not, but there's got to be some sort of an algorithm, right? Like if you're, let's say you've got a bunch of sales for this five hour experience, but the you know free call of duty war zone where people are sitting around for eight hours a day for two years uh is is engaging like that's not weighed in you know i feel like if yeah. let's say you sell your 20 million copies or whatever of your five hour experience which i don't know if that's even remotely reasonable but but let's <laughs> say you do you sell your 20 million copies for a five hour experience that's got to count for something well, it does. And that's Sony's strategy, right? Sony has, yeah. that's a formula that works for them. So the Uncharted, yeah. the God of Wars, the the Horizons and so on are going to continue to be very successful that way. And those licenses yeah. for all the merch that they sell and, and mm -hmm. you know, toys and so on, those are successful franchises. But for a yeah. studio that can't necessarily match that, the budget of those games, they, you know, they may look at different routes. I mean, we talked about when Sony acquired housemark before they were working on returnal they were going to do the storm divers game which was a battle royale game you got studios relying yep. on these sorts of tactics to stay afloat and uh you know these sorts of incentives be and business models become lucrative for them i think gaming is evolving it's it's the market is evolving for it it's we're going to talk about it sort of uh, becoming what the global impact of it's doing uh, to, to gaming as well. And it's no longer about the console or PC gamers and, and those demographics. I think there is room for more. It is going to be sad to see those developers that excelled in really great story-based games move into live services and mm -hmm. succeed or not. You know, you're going to have success stories like Respawn who went from this amazing game, Titanfall 2, that I just played, to a much more successful game in Apex Legends, but something that I have no interest in. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I want to play a lot more games than one single game where I where I have to grind away and get very yeah. good at. And that's, that's for me personally. And thankfully, there are companies and developers that are still catering to users like me, to, to yeah. gamers like me. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I said, I mean, I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but like I said, I, I love a good emotional experience and I want, I, I, I play a game like that, like watching a movie, like I want to experience it, uh, you know, and, and you just really don't get that from the round starting the rounds ended. Yeah. <laughs> That's not an emotional experience. I mean, it is, but it's a different kind. Yeah. And then you, and again, you'll have players that will look at a cutscene and ask how they can skip it. And I don't yes. care what's happening between yes. his father and son and so on. Oh, so speaking, 
speaking of the globalization of gaming and emerging markets, Phil Spencer expects Microsoft to buy studios in Africa, South America, or India soon. In an interview with The Guardian, uh, Phil Spencer was quoted as saying, it would actually surprise me if that doesn't happen in terms of buying, uh, acquiring studios. Competent uh, Spencer, suggesting Microsoft would need to bring in talents from those regions if it wanted to tell new stories. Just know that just knowing that the talent that's available and the tools such as game engines like Unity and Unreal that are so much more accessible, I would be surprised if in the next three to five years, you don't see numerous studios in places that aren't the traditional hubs of video game development, end quote from mm -hmm. Spencer. So uh, it's interesting because regions like India, for instance, that were heavy in the past on PlayStation are coming around to Microsoft, are coming around to services like uh, Game Pass. You saw that uh, PlayStation right now did this incredible campaign in China where they lit up skyscrapers. I don't know if either of you guys saw those marketing campaigns. No, and, that sounds awesome. Yeah, and did a Bunnies giant outside. launch. In, Sorry, in, in, I had to take some pictures of them. I thought you were taking <laughs> pictures of us. I'm like, all right, go ahead, man. Oh, there's just so many bunnies. There's like... 10 bunnies outside my door right now. I'm like Snow White. What's going on? Do you own bunnies? We have a garden. No, we have a garden. And they come in under our fence and, and eat oh, our garden, which cool. is terrible. But they're so cute. <laughs> Sorry to totally so, derail that. Go on. So it's it's just, you know, you're, you're seeing the impact. Again, I can't. I, I feel like I can't have an episode without mentioning Genshin Impact at least seven times. <laughs> but you're seeing what like games like Genshin Impact are doing in China and you know the subscription-based games and so on. And then also um sort of the rising level of a lot of these developers in like India for instance where Ubisoft's studio in India is actually doing the Prince of Persia remake. Mm -hmm. Uh Nintendo uh Indie Worlds Direct Featured uh, another in studio from India that did that Raji game. Raji, I can't, I, I can't remember the rest of the title of the game. So there is a lot of talent in the sort of developing, developing uh, regions, and I, I think companies like Xbox and Phil Spencer are looking at those. Jeremy, yeah. what do you think? I think it's the type of acquisition that I can kind of back, uh, just because you know these studios and, and startups that are from you know these non-traditional gaming hubs like you know the us europe um they tend to be more on the support end of things uh they tend to be more of like the outsourced like studio to you know help with the animation the models the art and things like that yep. Yep. now if you have like the backing of say microsoft then maybe you're able to step away from kind of doing that and actually make something um like substantial and and i think you know getting games from all different parts of the world is is a great thing because in all honesty you're gonna get new stories that are going to be mm -hmm. told um that right. otherwise we wouldn't get or we would you know we'd get but it's told horribly because it's made by a culture that Western. doesn't understand it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so inevitably, I think it's a good thing. Um, it's one of the things that I can kind of like back as, as an okay acquisition. Um, I mean, it'd be interesting to see where they go with it. Uh, 
Yeah, because I'm trying to think of like other studios outside the ones that you mentioned that would kind of fit their mold. But um, well, but we mean, talked yeah, about this offline, thing. right? Like the games. I, I don't know the names of the developers, but uh, Black Myth, Wukong, and uh, Ooh, Lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Lost. Uh, is it Lost Soul Aside? Yeah, Lost those Soul games Aside. look incredible. And they sort of speak for themselves. I think they market themselves, yeah. but there are small there are smaller studios that um, are now they do have access to these new tools that are you know more accessible to them, and might not have a chance without like a big partnership from from someone like an Xbox. Right? Can I just say it's it's just it was popping into my head thinking about it. How unbelievable it would be! I would be one hundred percent okay with it if um, we got like a god of war but it was in india with all the old ancient indian gods how cool would that so, be so check out raji that's exactly Stop. what uh yeah check out raji in ancient uh an ancient epic, ancient epic? okay all yes right. sir it out right now. hey this guy's name is rados weird <laughs> <laughs> so they obviously took inspiration from like the god of wars it's a it's a different type of game um not exactly a one-to-one -to, -one to God of War, but yeah. that's exactly it, right? Like how many, like in Mesopotamia alone, right? How many like amazing sort of um, creation stories and, and yeah. mythologies yeah. and uh, like various gods in, in, in those regions and in, in the Middle oh, East and cool India and, uh, you know, uh, Latin America and, and, you know, South America and so on. There's so many rich stories there to be told. And I am, I am all with, I am all for all of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, exposure yeah. to cultures being a little bit more inclusive. I, I think it's good. <laughs> I gotta say that was a, sorry, this is, I just keep going off on tangents. I'm sorry. In God of War, uh, they, they mentioned <laughs> what it was like over yeah. in India. And I was just thinking how cool that would be if in God of War, somehow they traveled over and then you got to see some crazy Indian gods. But well, <laughs> I think, the God of War reboot was originally set in Egypt. I yes. think some of the initial concepts were in Egypt when, before mm -hmm. they switched over to North. That's mythology. where the comic starts in Egypt. The comic starts in Egypt, and then it—I think it's still in Egypt. I haven't read the most recent. I play a game of Kratos's journey traveling from these like different worlds. Like I'd he love fought to see a giant that. hippo in like the first comic or something like that. Uh, really? Was, like, the third. Yeah, because he starts in Egypt. Um, and so he's like going around getting his ass kicked by a giant hippo. Uh, and shoot, shoot me a link to those after this, because yeah. I've seen, I've seen the, like the graphic novels that have like these really amazing covers yeah. illustrated by uh, Dave Raposa. Yeah. Well, there was and a, I don't know if I that's, think, a, I don't know if that's the same thing that we're talking about here. Probably not. If I recall, sorry, this is again, such a tangent, but if I recall, <laughs> there's like 500 <laughs> years between God of war three and God of war four. I guess we're going to call God of War 4. So they have to fill in those gaps. Like, I yeah. want to know all about that. Uh, Tell so, me your story. Anyway, yeah. I think that's exactly what the comic's doing. Story number mm. six. After, speaking of six, after a six-month absence, Cyberpunk was the best-selling digital PS4 game in June. This is a story by Andy Robinson at VGC. Writes, according to PlayStation's latest PlayStation Store charts for June, the CD Project Red title was the best-selling digital PS4 game in both the U.S., Canada, and Europe, despite only having been on sale for just over a week of the month. As we know, Cyber Cyberpunk finally returned. Cyberpunk. 
Finally returned to the PlayStation Store on June 21st, six months after it was pulled from the sale due to a buggy due to its buggy launch state. However, Sony has warned that por- purchasing the game for base PS4 consoles is not recommended. They're recommending you essentially play it on PS4 Pro and PlayStation 5. Now we actually have we actually have an NXS exclusive here. <laughs> From our very own Kevin of how it actually runs. On yeah, you know it's five, right? You're playing it on PlayStation Five, right? I'm now, playing it you? right now, um, and and it's I mean literally right now because that would be rude because we're having a, a podcast. But I'm oh, playing it God. at the moment, um, and uh, it's you know it's really funny. I I really expected it. To, I was going to bring this up. <laughs> I, I really expected it to be a little bit farther along, to be honest with you. But it's not nearly as buggy as it was like when it first got started. Yeah. Um, I've been joking with people though that I mean we can all admit that Cyberpunk is not at all to the level that we wanted it to be but it's still a really good game in my opinion and I really love the story and and as you continue through the story and doing the side quests and stuff the the story just continues to build and build and build and I love it like I was talking about emotional experiences and and every time you finish they've got I think uh 5 or 6 um I'm just going to call them romanceable characters, uh, but they all have the, you don't have to romance them by the way, Jeremy, I see you smiling down there. Uh, So I I will, I didn't uh, romance all of them only Panem. My heart's with her and Judy, but I'm not a lesbian uh, character. So she's not, I'm not her type. Anyway, that being said, uh, I, uh, I love it. I absolutely love everything about it. It's, it's a great game. That being said, Jumping back into it, can, I was can kind of play by, can, can we do a play-by-play here? Yes. So what I you, summoned go to my finish, car. Finish, okay, no, no. Okay. Let, let's do this play-by-play, Kevin. <laughs> so I summoned my car, and it was like, all right, I'm over here. And I'm like, why are you 35 meters away from me? So I ran over to it, and then I noticed that its wheel was stuck in the ground. And I was like, that's weird. What the hell is going on there? And then, <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> I legitimately, my my controller vibrated like crazy, and it, it like honked at me and it scared the crap out of me. <laughs> like I was legitimately. I, I, I watched this over and over again a couple of times. Why were you? Okay. You're staring at it because it was like sunk yeah. into the ground. You're like, what is wrong with it? <laughs> and, uh, it wouldn't prompt me to get in the car. Like I was like, what? It's stuck in All the right. All right. What was scarier, that or your playthrough of Visage? Uh, so far, the 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 car throwing a motorcycle at me was probably scarier. It was a, a very <laughs> unexpected dump scare. Okay, but it was funny because I've been posting kind of the glitches that that I have come across so far. And there's a mission where you have to carry a body. Uh, she's alive, but you have to carry her out of a window and jump off a balcony um, to get down to a car. And if you jump off the balcony, she just like magically disappears out of your arms and she's standing in the air. And I'm like, what? how do I get her? Come with me. Yeah. Yeah. And so so I reset uh, to my last save and then it it happened again. So I reset to my last save again. And then I had to take the long way because if you just jump down, the car is right there that you have to put her in. And you don't put her nicely in the back of the seat, by the way. You put her in the trunk. Uh, anyway, but that being said, I had to walk all the way out around the building down like six flights of stairs and then walk over and put her in the trunk. But it's just little things like there's another one where my cars refuse to move, uh, which people on the Internet were like, oh, just blow the car up or resummon it. Uh, and none of that was working for me. Like literally, it, you'll just you'll just like be grinding on the on the accelerator and it's like and it just doesn't go anywhere 
And so, so it's been, it's, I've been joking with people and I've been saying that I've found more humor in these glitches as opposed to getting frustrated because the game's not crashing anymore and it auto saves like every 10 seconds. So, so I'm not worried really about losing progress anymore. It's so much fun. It's, it's still a really fun game. I, I put it down because I was going to go for a platinum and then they announced the, uh, they announced the uh, next gen patch. And so I was like, okay, you know what? I'm I'm done now. And another game's coming out. I'm going to put this down for a little bit and I'm going to wait for the next gen patch. And then they got hacked and they were like, next gen, pa- next gen patch isn't coming for a while. Uh, and so, so, you know, I picked it back up because I'm like, I don't want to wait for the next gen patch anymore. I just want to get the platinum and I want to play through it. And I'm so glad I'm doing it. Jeremy, have you played it yet? So that I I'm, I'm in the border of, of waiting for that next gen patch or actually yeah. just going through with a with a playthrough of it yeah um i don't how know how far yet. in are you do you know hour wise not even an hour i think i just like really spawned into the world <laughs> <laughs> like you haven't done the first mission with like jackie yet oh um, no i think okay so i did that one i did okay, that one okay um uh, i don't know it's just it, it it's I mean, we know it's not fully like optimized for our next yeah. consoles and it still has a long ways to go yeah. to get it to that kind of like uh, if they can even reach it, their original yeah. vision for it. Um, I don't know. Right now, I have a lot of other things to to play in the eternal backlog <clears throat> that I'm not too uh, like I, I'm not too like like I need to play it like right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can wait a little bit, but it being back on the PlayStation store is interesting because I curious, like what, what actually like changed in terms of like, okay, now it can go back on the store. Cause Honestly, it seems like it's, still... I don't think much. It's yeah, a little more it... stable. Yeah. Well, I, but I, still... I hear there's a patch for steam coming out right now. That's like a ridiculous amount, like 60, a 60 gig oh patch or so. So yeah. there's still, they still got some really significant updates, but yeah. uh, it's still not where it needs to be. And Sony is, I think is being cautiously optimistic about it. Yes. They didn't do this big relaunch campaign and it's actually yeah. a little surprising that it's doing as well that as, as it's doing. I think it literally came in under the radar. Like, I don't even think it was, a yeah, it was like a, it just popped a little shadow right. drop. Right. Yeah. And, and obviously there were a couple of Twitter posts, I think from CD project, <laughs> and so on but it's a game that has been hyped and marketed and yes. and talked about for years so even with all the bad press even with the, the raucous launch in in recent history mm-hmm. in almost maybe all gaming history duke nukem forever mm. i don't know did duke nukem forever <laughs> get pulled from a store like i, I no, think that's it's true. like i think we had so, lower standards then though yeah it's like <laughs> Sorry, just a shitty game. Um, <laughs> exactly. so to me, to me, it's a little surprising, <clears throat> but it also makes me wonder, you know, how many PlayStation Five like digital SKUs where they had no means of playing it over over the last six yeah. months. Yeah. How many of those owners have, have been waiting for it? So, how many of those purchases were PS Five owners that have been waiting for this digitally that um, are confident enough in it? and uh to to play it and again there's still a ton of ps4s out there a ton of ps4 pros out there and they're continuing to sell them yeah well and that that being said i mean again i think 
a lot of the console. I mean, I, I read all the patch notes, but I haven't read them in a while. Um, but really the biggest things that they've been doing is just improving stability, making sure it doesn't crash as much and fixing like game breaking glitches where like, for instance, a lot of, uh, there was a lot of missions where like all of a sudden you just wouldn't be able to do the thing and you would have to reload a save because if you kept going and you could fail that mission or you just couldn't finish it. Um, and so I never experienced any of those. Uh, I, I finished all the missions pretty much without any trouble. I mean, I remember when it launched, though, and it was like if I went into a group that was too big, the game would crash. If I drove too fast, it was trying to load stuff in. Uh, as I was driving too fast, it would crash. Um, <laughs> Again, I want to play it on my base PS4. I don't know where it is. Yeah. Laying around. I want to play it on that, even though I have the, the PC version, <laughs> which in my hour and a half or so that I've played has, has ran really nicely for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I got to say, though, I played it on my base PS4. I, I had a base PS4. I had a PS4 Pro, and then I had my 5. And I played it on the base PS4 just to kind of see what everybody was talking about. And, and yeah, it was super rough. And again, the yeah. same issues that I just talked about were even worse, obviously, on, on the, the base PS4. But aside from it kind of looking like trash, it, it wasn't terrible. It was literally like an OG PlayStation from launch. Uh, and so I was like, you know, this isn't, it's, it's awful if you're expecting it to be what you were expecting it to be, which everybody was. You know, it was terrible. Think, it was a bad experience. Don't get me wrong. I, I but, think CD Projekt has has an opportunity to really win some goodwill back from the fans yes. with these enhanced versions. Yes, they got the the Witcher uh, enhanced version that that's supposed to come out this fall as well. It's, in, it's mm -hmm. supposed to include some of um, I don't know if it's a DLC or cosmetics from the actual yep. Witcher Netflix yep. show included so in it as well. There's that. Then there's obviously the enhanced version of Cyberpunk. So they got some making up to do, but. It looks like either oh. way, the bad press hasn't caught up to them. You know what, though? I mean, look at No Man's Sky. If they're anything... And I mean, I that was a journey, it. right? That that success yes. story, that no, recovery was... didn't happen over yes. time. And no, you got stories like that, and then you got years. stories like Anthem yeah. that just really what go off hell? to die, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So if we could do anything even close to No Man's Sky, I mean, No Man's Sky's improvements were over the course of four years. I still remember... I pre-ordered the collector's edition and never got my ship and and all that stuff like i was one of those people and He's still so, holding that grudge <laughs> yeah i'm still mad and, and you know what's sad is is i i know it's a better game now but i'm still mad about it i remember booting it up and being like this sucks i'm so mad no man's guy my <laughs> yeah. i still have a sealed copy and i they just it, it's it so like much better now quarter after quarter or year after yeah. year they're releasing these like pretty gnarly updates it's so updates. much better now I'm still mad, but it's so beautiful now. <laughs> One game that a developer is hoping to make beautiful and have, be ready to go the next time we see it is Final Fantasy 16. <clears throat> so Square Enix wants to show Final Fantasy 16 at the Tokyo Game Show, but probably can't make the deadline. Again, reading from VGC and again, reading from Andy Robinson over there. Uh, who writes, speaking as part of a special Japanese Final Fantasy XIV live stream on Friday, Naoki Yoshida, guys, I'm, I'm butchering the name, that was but nice. that was hot. Pro producer of the upcoming Final Fantasy XVI said Square Enix would ideally like to show the new game at the Tokyo Game Show. Quote, we really want to show something for Tokyo Game Show at 2021, but we probably can't make the deadline. We definitely want to show it, but isn't it better if we, when we do, you're able to play it right after? He oh. adds, 
I personally don't like it when small bits of info is released to string people along. I talked about this with the, with the team director, Takesan. We want to reveal something where people will say, I want to play it now, release it now. And we can reply, <laughs> sure, here you go. He oh, continues, awesome. development is going well. It's quite difficult to make the quality, uh, it's, sorry, it's quite difficult to make sure the quality is amazing. We want the next announcement to be something where everyone says, I'm going to buy this game. Thus, we are putting a lot of effort to make sure the quality is great, end quote. Guys, this is a game I'm really excited about. I thought the first, um, I think it's only just one trailer, right? Mm -hmm. or, or a couple of trailers. One trailer, I thought it oh, showed really well. I thought it showed really well. It didn't blow my mind where it's like, whoa, this is the next chapter of Final Fantasy 16 and it's going to be incredible. <laughs> it did look really good, but it also, it felt like some some parts of it were a little rough around the edges. Uh, and like, I don't know, the environment and where he was fighting that sort of giant Marlboro uh, mm -hmm. boss felt a little like sparse, the environments, if I remember correctly. So my socks weren't knocked off myself. Uh, the, <laughs> the, 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 setting of it the characters themselves and uh sort of the story that they're setting up for it looked to be interesting to me but i'm really hoping that the next time they show it that my socks are completely knocked off uh in a way that maybe the final fantasy 7 remake trailers have, have done for me mm -hmm. and were your, were your shoes at least knocked off i mean slippers knocked the, off anything? the laces were untied let's say okay. that okay? okay the laces okay. got untied Jeremy, what do you think? Are you like this approach where it's like, hey, go go radio silent and, and bring something back? Or do you want to see more? Has it been too long since they've shown something? Yeah, no, I mean, I would. Yeah, I mean, that would be awesome to go radio silent for a while and then show a good trailer that showcases, you know, the gameplay, the lore, mm -hmm. the story behind the game and then say, oh, it'll be out in three months. Like, how great would Jeez. that be? That's pulling that Apple like, on us. Yeah. That is like a far cry from Final Fantasy versus 13 that oh had God. all these different yes. trailers turned into 15. But, oh, hey, yep. it took 10 years or whatever, how, how <laughs> long it took uh, yeah. to, to come out. And I think that's kind of what I don't know if he's, if he's alluding to it, <laughs> but that's what comes to mind when I read his comments. Um, There's and, a director and, cut I want, by the way, versus 13. <laughs> Can you even imagine Oh my gosh, go on, sorry. Well, so, yeah. Well, I mean, 16 where they're at right now, right? The, was it 16 that uh I read this on? I might I might be mixing up my games. Was it 16 Jeremy that they said that the main scenario is completed and they're finishing yeah. and voice the, acting. Yeah. So they're they're in that polishing stage right now. They're finishing up some of the voice acting and polishing the game up, getting into QA. It's at this point, definitely a 2022 game. I know there was speculation early on that it could be potentially hit 2021. Kevin, what's your yeah. what's your hype level for this? How do you like this approach? What do you think? I like this approach. I do. I mean, as much as we all like to bitch about it, I, I do like seeing more of a completed product. I don't like the string you along approach either, especially because just having those little breadcrumbs, like it's not, it, it's not as satisfying as when you get a giant chunk when the giant chunk would be like a beautifully polished trailer, you know, and then a beautifully polished demo. Um, yeah. So I definitely agree with him. I think that's really cool. Um, and again, just like Jeremy pointed out, like we don't want, you know, a Final Fantasy versus 13 situation where, where it takes forever. And it doesn't sound like that's at all where it's going. It sounds like they're they're done pretty much. Uh, well, not done, but you know what I mean? They're close. Um, What's so your high level for this? 
my hype level is ridiculous. I mean, I loved the trailer personally. It, it may not have been like the most polished thing in the world, but it looked really good. Um, I mean, I loved watching the, uh, I said there's been two trailers now, right? Um, uh, that's far spoken. Oh, okay. Okay. So I am definitely thinking of just the first one where you, yeah, I think where he's fighting a Marlboro and he's casting magic. I thought that looked really cool. A magic felt really crummy in final fantasy 15. Um, so I liked how 16 is taking more of a, um, a fluid approach, I guess. Um, it, it looked a little more kingdom heartsy. Uh, so I'm pretty dang hyped and, and just to so random cause we brought up final fantasy versus 13, but did you guys play kingdom hearts three by any chance? No, but guess okay. what? I just, I just, uh, yesterday just ordered all in one, all package. In one package. Yes. 20 bucks bro 20 bucks so good it's so worth it dude just for it to sit on my shelf but i, yes, I did that to. with thinking 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 of you because i know how how much you <laughs> like kingdom hearts okay so tetsuo tetsuya nomura you know had to drop final fantasy 15 and start on kingdom hearts 3 and um the secret ending you should definitely look it up because it's really not a spoiler but you should look up secret ending oh, to kingdom hearts 3 it's to. yes it's it is um the original final fantasy versus 13 trailer he took it almost frame for frame and <laughs> did portions. i'm not it's okay. amazing you need okay. to look it up okay. it's amazing. let me let me let me, I'll, yeah. let me beat the campaign let me beat the story yeah. and uh <laughs> No, it has nothing to do with the story. So that's why it's not a spoiler. It's honestly just kind oh, it's of it's like a bonus. It's like a yes. Okay. Yeah. It's okay. it's okay. totally messing with you. Okay. But it's, it's literally and and there's like a game trailer. What was the name of the game? Oh, oh I can't remember, Jeremy. It's something, it's essentially Final Fantasy versus Rex, thirteen, right? Yeah, like that. Something Rex yeah. uh, is the name of this game in the world of Kingdom Hearts, and they do a trailer and like literally everything about it is Final Fantasy fifteen slash Final Fantasy versus thirteen. The character designs all this it was so freaking cool dude yeah so anyway again not a spoiler you should look up those trailers because they're so freaking fun i think i want to now <laughs> but anyway final fantasy 16 it looks really good i'm really excited i mean it looks like they're going a really cool way uh with the series or with the uh yeah with the game series okay. how are you man how you feeling about that I'm personally excited for it. I, I want them to take all the time in the world. And there there've never been a development studio or development teams that rush games out. And their track record across those various mm -hmm. teams have been pretty good recently between uh, Final Fantasy VII and uh, Intermission and all the things that they're doing in, in 14. So I feel good about where Final Fantasy is at right now and where they're headed. And mm -hmm. that's exactly the approach I want to see from every developer. If you don't have something to show, don't show us something that isn't going to be representative of the game. Uh, thanks, Kevin. I see you just posted the link to, to that Kingdom Hearts <laughs> thing. Thank you. I do want to check that out. So, yeah, but like take your time. Delay something as long as you have to because, yes. I mean, everyone that's complaining about delays, go play your games in your backlog, y'all. Yes. You guys have yeah. hundreds of go games. Go play Cyberpunk if you like games being released when you want them released. <laughs> That's exactly it. And Cyberpunk, I think, set a pre precedent and an and expectation where entitled fans, you, you guys are just going to have to wait because when yep. a game comes out prematurely, it's going to it's going to be a disaster. So yep. if it needs to come out in 2023, I'll wait for it. There, there are plenty of games to play in between that. Yep. Speaking of Final Fantasy and then also speaking about a game <laughs> that is not going to be out this year or any year soon. 
is <laughs> Final Fantasy X III apparently has its plot synopsis written already. So in an interview with Famitsu, Tetsuya Nomura, uh, along with other uh, creators from Final Fantasy X, have said that the plot synopsis for Final Amazing. Fantasy X III has already been written by uh, Kazushige, Kazushige Nojima, who was one of the writers on Final Fantasy X. Uh, Toriyama, a designer and writer for Final Fantasy X, added, "The possibility is not zero, but we are not, but we are not in uh, in a phase where we can talk about it uh, unless we have finished the producing Final Fantasy remake." So, so we're it's it's, it's great that they're thinking about Final Fantasy X three, which I didn't even think was a possibility. Oh man! Um, but yes. Keep your focus on Final Fantasy VII Remake because otherwise yes. it's going to be another 15 years or yes. so before that whole. My kids love kids. Multi, yeah, <laughs> that needs to get completed in this generation, hopefully. So, oh, please. Jeremy, are you? Are you? Did this? I mean, was this a nice surprise for you to, that that a sort of a beloved entry in the series is is going to get its third entry? Potentially, it's just like where can they go? I mean, I, I, I guess they'll they'll think of where it can go, but I, I think in terms of like the world and the lore of Final Fantasy X, like that draws a lot of interesting things that they can they can kind of do with the game. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's probably one of the reasons someone can get excited for a sequel to it. It's just <laughs> yeah. now, are you taking the same like are you taking the same characters or are we getting new characters? Mm -hmm. And it is it based off of like that little novel that they wrote because i mean i read some of the impressions there i don't know if they're true or not but some of the things that go down in that novel is just like that shit insane like <laughs> and, and i hope they don't go that way <laughs> hope it's a little bit more uh grounded than that um but you know i enjoyed 10 10 too yeah. and, well, and its yeah. world so well uh, 10 yeah, was one not? of the 10 was one of the most uh, successful games Amazing. in the series, right? And it was the first really one that actually got the sequel, right? That was an unheard back yep. then, that was unheard of to do a sequel yep. of, of Final Fantasy. One um, of the so Final my, Fantasies where I made a uh, a music video back in, uh, I don't know, middle school, <laughs> high school. <laughs> you did? You still have it? Well, man, it was just simple, you know? It's it just, you know, Titus, Yuna. Speaking just, of simping, can we get some more Riku? <laughs> right. Maybe a little more pain. Uh, that being said, yeah, dude, 10 was amazing. I mean, awkward laughing and terrible voice acting aside, it was a great game. <laughs> I never played 10 too. What was the whole premise of that? I know you took over Yuna, but I didn't really know what that game was about. You guys I, played it? The only I, thing I remember was that there was a person that looks like, all right, how do you, how do you say his name? Titus. Titus? I call him Titus. And I, will I call him Titus because it sounds less stupid. Yeah. <laughs> You call oh, whatever Jesus. you want. <laughs> I feel so. like she she sees like this little video that uh, of Titus, and she starts just like looking for him. At least uh, for him, that's yeah, all okay. I remember from it. Okay. Outside of the whole like J-pop kind of like spin that they had with the job system and things like that. <laughs> yeah, I got about halfway uh, through, and I might have mentioned it in a previous show that uh, that's that's where my memory card got wiped by. Uh, some other folks that were borrowing my PlayStation. So it hurts. Uh, I got halfway through. I did watch the ending. I saw how it ended, which, which sucks. I, I wish I would have seen it through myself, but um, yeah, I just, I thought that they were done with that story and it's interesting. Uh, I liked 10 a lot. It's one of my favorite final fantasies. 
And my, my thought on it is that if, if it's coming from a, an inspired place and they have really good stories to tell in that universe, do it, do it for the right reasons. And not just because it was one of the most popular uh, entries yeah. in, in, in the series. Yeah. I agree with you. Like if they do something in if, with like final fantasy 10, I just hope it's just a brand new cast. Cause I think, you know, they've already told the story of the original cast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can't really agree with that because I never played two. But you know what I did have? <laughs> I owned those pistols. The pistol controllers oh, were the, the worst possible controllers for a PlayStation 2. I just bought them because they were like 50 bucks, and I thought they looked so cool. And then I was pissed when I found out I could sell them for a lot more money. <laughs> oh, and did you? or did No, you I got rid of them at like a garage, a garage sale. sale, right? Yeah. <laughs> the worst. Yeah, I like how she went from sorcery and summoning things booty to, shorts to booty shorts and dual wielding pistols. Went like straight yeah. up Tomb Raider yeah. style. Yeah, and she does look like Tomb Raider. That's really funny, guys. That's funny. Are we ready for the final story here? Mm, I think so. Hideo Kojima is not a fan of the term director's cut. <laughs> we already knew this. <laughs> and i'm surprised uh you know but uh let's read let's read what he has to say on twitter he writes a director's cut in a movie is an additional edit to a shortened version that was either released reluctantly because the director did not have the right to edit it or because the running time had to be shortened mm -hmm. in the game it is not what was cut but was additionally produced that was included and so he's he's sort of suggesting what like the name should be instead delectors plus. plus what so in my opinion i don't like to call it director's cut um and that's an that's an interesting thing because that's been a sort of a de debate uh that's been sort of ongoing started with ghost of tsushima's director's cut where it's like okay yeah usually it is stuff that is cut and now you're you're doing the director's cut how they initially intended it but Kojima here is saying like, no, the original release was what we actually intended. Now we're just adding a bunch of stuff. So it's not really stuff that was cut. It was stuff that was added. I don't no. like the term, but as we've heard from whispers, uh, Sony and just like and most companies, they have these, these research departments and marketing teams that mm -hmm. will say, hey, if we name it this or if we put this People on the cover or if we do this, there is a 5% greater chance that someone will buy yes. it because studies say that having uh, a guy was like with a, you know, five o'clock shadow and a gun in his hand on the cover will sell better. So obviously what these director's cuts really essentially are, are definitive editions, game of the year editions, but are those releases and the terminology around those stale and it's sony going for a new direction on offering a newer premium experience to buyers like us who have played the originals and love them but maybe wouldn't typically go for a game of the year edition because mm -hmm. and instead would rather go for something that sounds a little bit more extended cut. newer fresher in director's yeah. cut jeremy what do you think yeah, it's kind of funny. It's kind of like the uh, kind of the game version of the uh, director's cut in movies, or or the unrated version, which tries to get unrated. Um, Remember how so, big that was in the in the two thousands, where it's like American Pie four unrated, unrated. and they all had big a blaster. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Jerry, Jerry, go on. No, I brought that tangent on myself. Um, but I mean, Death in 
so like in terms of like kojima i can back him on this like mm-hmm. director's cut implies that his original vision was kind of scaled back and this yeah. is his full version uh vision brought to life but yeah from a playstation like perspective they're going after this hollywood like cinematic feel you can kind of see it with its you know playstation studios logo that you know for them using director's cut in there probably works with kind of like the the whole theme of their first party right but i i think by and large i'm probably with uh with kojima on this one it's not necessarily a director's cut it's kind of like what kevin said it's an extended cut um because you are yeah you are adding new content to the game yeah here's the thing if 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 ghost of tsushima and death stranding both sell well i expect ghost of tsushima at least to sell pretty well and and probably death stranding as well if they sell well sony doesn't care what you think or what kojima yeah. thinks or what i think they're gonna <laughs> be like damn much. this works yeah, yeah. last of it, it us prints money director's cut yeah. <laughs> it prints money just like throw it on there it prints uh. money so they're gonna keep doing it obviously but if if they're if there are negative uh, associations with them where they feel like, you know, there's been a lot of discourse around, uh, are they nickel and diming you? Are these mm-hmm. too expensive? Or, you know, is this just a fancier way to sell you the same thing over again? If, if there are negative associations and they don't sell as well, they'll obviously move away from that. Again, it's all goes down to their marketing and research. It's pointed them into this direction. And even yeah. a, a, even a renowned creator who has so much creative control over his work, like a Kojima doesn't have control over the name because he obviously yeah. doesn't even like it. <laughs> Kevin, what do you think? Nintendo's going to come out with Skyward Sword Director's Cut. Oh my God. <laughs> this time we actually uh, overhauled the graphics. Yeah, that's going to be great. And we added more. Oh my more. God, I'd be so mad. <laughs> no, I mean, I honestly, I mean, right. It's, it's not a huge deal. It's neither here nor there. Like this is just Kojima being artsy fartsy and being like, well, Director's Cut doesn't technically explain what i'm doing you know it's like who cares it's i mean it's it doesn't matter we know what it is we know that it's an additional you know have an additional content it's going to be you know revamped and stuff and use all the ps5's wonderful features and and did they say it's going to have ray tracing because i need ray i don't know if they called that out specifically I mean, can you imagine a game like Death Stranding with Ray Tracing? It's going to look beautiful. I just thought about it right now. Anyway, but that being said, uh, yeah, whatever. I mean, they're going to they're gonna beautify the game. It's going to look gorgeous on next-gen consoles, and who cares what it's called? They can call it Death Stranding 1.8 if they want to. <laughs> Integrate. Yeah. Listen, I <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the way he used to call these these sorts of things, this isn't the first, this isn't new to Kojima, at least, right? Yeah. We have Metal Gear Solid substance and subsistence yes. and yes. integral and all sorts yes. of. Uh, so I think he would have probably preferred for something. <laughs> he's he's more, all, I want to like, name it something dumb and, yeah. <laughs> and scary sounding. And they're like, no, Kojima, not this time. Director Scott. And I'm with, I'm with you, Kevin. I really don't care what they call it. At the end of the day, if the value is good, if the content is good, if. Yeah, and if they if the overall package is good, I don't care what you call it. Yeah, Death Stranding. Yeah, that was our last. That was our last full story. Let's get into some news bites really quick. Where I'm just gonna run off a few uh, headlines, and then Jeremy, Kevin, if you got something to say about them, just jump in, interrupt me, weigh in on it, then we'll go from there. Don't First story off, is uh, 
Ghostwire Tokyo, Beth Bethesda's PS5 exclusive, has been delayed to early 2022. The team there, they posted it on Twitter. They essentially, uh, you know, offered their apologies and uh, essentially wrote that they want to, you know, they want to deliver a really great experience, uh, but at the same time, not at, not at sacrificing their team's health and uh, essentially thank their fans uh, for their patience. Can, can I just say Cyberpunk really did a number on the industry? Every single person is like, we better delay this shit. <laughs> like, well, I mean, that and it's it doesn't come as a surprise anymore. Every yeah. every single developer has one of these yes. graphic templates now where like it's, it's COVID. A lot of these teams yes. had to transition to remote yes. and that has significantly slowed down <laughs> things uh, for yes. them. I just think it's funny. Like, I think people fought really hard to not have to delay stuff for a while. And now cyberpunk happened and everyone's like, like I now, understand. We're good. We're good. Yeah. Here's an interesting one. A sealed copy of super Mario 64 breaks the world record for most, for the most expensive game ever. Guys, it's oh sold for 1.56 million. That's wow. so ridiculous. Who is buying this stuff? What are you guys, yeah, what are you doing with that He's money? like, I'm so sad. I just got a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the record was previously held by, uh, just last week actually, by a sealed early production copy of The Legend of Zelda, the original one, which sold for 870000 so The key thing is buy a sealed copy of Death Stranding Director's Cut. Yes. And, and in 30 years. It. Yeah. It might be worth something. You know, yeah. you know what I just did today? I needed some retail therapy. I just bought a sealed copy of Bloodborne, y'all. And <laughs> that mm. thing is going to, I'm going to put it Don't in, I'm going to get it, you know, graded and all that stuff. You know, oddly <laughs> enough, Gravity Rush, I saw I at it. one point the a used copy of the remaster edition yep. on PS4 was like $100 on like yep. Target or yep. something. Third party. Octopath was heading that direction. That's crazy. For Switch. Puppeteer um, on PS3. Yep. It's so weird. Which I had, and I sold. I sold at a garage sale for like a dollar, I think, because I'm like, no one wants this. All right, so Lost Judgment. (laughs) Here's here's another one. Lost Judgment may be the last in the series due to the actor's uh, image rights or actor's image rights. It's claimed. Yeah. So essentially, the actor, the actor for the main character, uh, I believe the actor's name is Takuya Kimura. His agency has beef with him. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, beef with the game landing on steam which so it's sort of at a disagreement oh, with gosh. sega so i think that's that's interesting that's a little odd that it may be the last game in the series just because it's uh mm-hmm. the actor's agency doesn't care for it it's so kind of interesting that they decided just to end the series rather than try to find a new protagonist yeah. to like kind of continue the series yeah exactly just okay thank you bye you're gone yeah. now yeah. All right. We're just killing it. <laughs> or just like changes features just enough to be like, yeah. look, it's not your actor anymore. Suck it. <laughs> yeah. Our next one here, Jeremy and his friends uh, were you know, <laughs> spending so much time on Final Fantasy 14. And it was so popular that it resulted of a shortage, even on digital copies. So it was funny. A Reddit user pointed out that you couldn't even buy the game digitally. It was sold out digitally, which... How is that even possible? But yeah. it's essentially because of server congestion, which yeah. created all sorts of other problems like, you know, long queue times and inaccessible character uh, creator. Uh, Jeremy, did you notice any of that slowdown or congestion? I noticed not necessarily the <laughs> slowdown and congestion, but I did notice that I was in a queue most of the time before mm-hmm. logging in. Now, the queue for me wasn't really long, maybe like a minute or two. Um, but yeah, I mean, the game right now has gone in a resurgence of like popularity, uh, just because you have people 
uh, and popular streamers who were once playing World of Warcraft, and mm. you know there there's a content like drought with that that they decided to try other games, and Final <laughs> Fantasy just happens to be one of them. Um, but now, yeah, you're, you're seeing their kind of influence kind of drive up like <laughs> Square needing to get additional hardware to kind of yep. accommodate all this new this new population. <laughs> With like, it being as successful me. as it is, are they going to continue it? Or do you see like it feels like these uh, F- Final Fantasy 17 could definitely be another one mm-hmm. uh, of an MMO or so? Or do you, do you see them continuing 14? I mean, if you think about it, Final Fantasy 11 is still active. Like they're not making any new like content for it uh, well, per se, but you know the the game is still like it's still active. They didn't shut it down to to my knowledge. It's still it's still out there. Hmm. Um, so if I had to guess, uh, you know maybe they will make another Final Fantasy and it'll be a you know it'll have the latest like RTX ray tracing all yeah. that latest yeah. technology and it'll look great um but i can see them kind of applying the same approach that they did with 11 and just have this kind of be you know on the side um because really you know if, if you have a community that backs like mm-hmm. an mmo game then you can pretty much keep it for a long time how long has world of warcraft been going right, right. oh my gosh yeah see yeah <laughs> and that's one of those cases too right when we're talking about how an art style can sell a game regardless of how old the engine is that's that's yep. one of the best examples right there yep. yep all right before i move on to the last news bite kevin did you have anything to add on that no i was just gonna make jokes like okay. i do <laughs> <laughs> has that has that opportunity uh, faded away now it did. It did. It was going to be a joke about when you asked him about congestion. I was going to joke about uh, Jeremy's like, no, you know, I didn't realize any slowdown while I was running it on my Xbox, PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4 computer. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see any slowdown on any of those. Yeah, you know, I just queued on every one of my systems. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our last news bite is Atlas is teasing seven Persona announcements for its 25th anniversary. So mm. the 25th anniversary for Persona is coming up in September. And the official website lists seven projects, which might not all necessarily be games, um, with the first one being uh, revealed in September itself. And it's going to be sort of ongoing all the way through next year, fall of next year, uh, where the last project will be revealed. Uh, Get that hype train ready for Persona 6. (laughs) I mean, I think there's a strong possibility that one of those seven projects is uh, a Persona 6. What do you guys think? All aboard the waifu train. (laughs) That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> Those are all about it. Yeah, I don't know. And then I don't. I think like two or three. I, I say two. Of, at least two of them are going to be games. True. I think <sighs> probably uh, up to three or four of them could be games, and then the rest could be just various other things: yeah. uh, anime, yeah. ma- manga. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, concerts. Because the soundtrack's actually fantastic. Like yeah. those games. Absolutely. Guys, there's actually fantastic as well. There's a there is a video game concert happening in San Diego. I gotta send you guys a link. Riza was telling me about it. Yeah, I gotta send you the link on that. Or Uh, just like various various like Final Fantasy was in there. Like various sort of scores were in there. So that's exciting. Y'all, that was the last news bite, and um, that about does it for us, Mr. Kevin. Yeah. How do we feel? Any last thoughts? Yeah, I was just thinking, mentioning waifus, and then I was just thinking about Final Fantasy 12, uh, sorry, 10-2, <laughs> and thinking about Pain and Riku again. Pain. And I feel like those were maybe my original waifus. 
when I was a kid. Let's get some. Let's see. Let's let's see it, man. Let's see some posters on the wall. I'm all just Next turn the screen part. slightly, and it's just nothing but Riku and <laughs> and, and pain. And you pain, know what's funny too? Is, body pillow. <laughs> dude, legitimately, like like I was so into like punk and emo girls when I was a kid, and and pain just a hundred percent fits that stereotype. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you like, I just want to see more ten three, yeah. just just to see more pain. <laughs> Jeremy, no, feeling good, man. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Jeremy. Jeremy, what about you, man? Any any closing thoughts before we wrap up? No, it was just uh, it. It's been fun to to talk games again mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. with y'all with waifu simulators and yeah, Final yeah. Fantasies and you know Kingdom Hearts and God of War tangents. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. one of these days, I think we're probably gonna just need a little retrospective on God of War so, <laughs> and Kingdom Hearts just so that we can all just get like, it let out it of out. your system. Yes, yeah. and Soul Reaver for me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We made it through another episode with a Soul Reaver mention. Yeah, you're gonna have to. Uh, you're gonna have to lead that one because uh, I, I I don't know too much about Soul Reaver. While Guys, you were talking about MMOs, I was gonna bring up Soul uh, Legacy of Kane's failed Dark Sun um, MMO, but I refused to do it until just now. <laughs> Guys, we're in a. Uh, th- there's plenty of new games releasing, but it, it's mm. it's the game release schedules are sort of taking giving us a little bit of a break before the onslaught of games in in august and september and all yep. that happens want to see some of that way out action from you guys you, you still have time <laughs> but i think this is the week to do it um yep. jeremy where, where can people find you uh you can find me at n or at nxs jeremy uh on twitter i'm sorry you I'm, know what? here's I'm the thing to this <laughs> I keep tagging you and you're like, I'm trying to bring you into the conversation here and I'm getting these high fives back from Kevin. And I'm just, you're leaving me hanging with the high fives. Go check your Twitter notifications. Is that I, what that is? You keep yeah. leaving him holding his backbone. <laughs> I want to, I want to backbone with you on Twitter, bro. Right. Kevin, where can people find you? Uh, I'm also on Twitter uh, at NXS Kevin. Um, and you got to help me out because I lost I lost four whole followers and gained four whole followers today. It was wild. It was, uh, it was, I don't normally track that, but I just happened to notice it. And I was like, wow, I lost four. That's all right. And then all of a sudden I had four more and I was like, great. That's essentially Twitter in a nutshell. Don't, don't sweat it. Unless you said (laughs) something to piss off the entire internet. You're probably good. You're, you know, I lose followers daily and it's something I don't sweat. I was just teasing. I, I don't sweat at all. I just happened to notice it because I went to go click on my profile and, and it was all 640. And I was like, that's fine. <laughs> um, <I'm just> <laughs> speaking of Twitter, I'm on Twitter as well. You can find me at Dash Revolver and you can find us at NXS Cast on Twitter there. Um, again, if you are watching us on YouTube and you liked what you saw, hit that like, hit that subscribe. We're trying to build those followers here on YouTube as well. Um, Hope you enjoyed the show. For Jeremy, for Kevin, I am Dash. We'll see you next time. Hype train. Bye-bye. Keep going.